people can it's, it's interesting because when you put the word ethical non-monogamy it implies that people are bad non-monogamous but you know people can be bad monogamists as well yeah there's so, bad people all around <laughs> so you can actually people say oh are you an ethical non-monogamous you can say well are you an ethical monogamous it's Let's true flip it around and yeah. see what people say Hey, Tanya, how's it going? Hey, Deb, going really well. I'm so keen for this chat because it's going to get a little bit interesting. Yeah, I think it's actually really important because I've heard a lot of discussion about different types of non-monogamy and I actually have some confusion about it often, especially with terms that get like put in front of it and like the difference between them. So with consensual non-monogamy, I, I know we've talked about ethical non-monogamy before or ENM on previous episodes, yeah. but would you be able to give us a recap of what that actually means? Um, yeah, let's, let's, because I think ethical non-monogamy and consensual non-monogamy get used interchangeably. So first I want to run through a couple of definitions, like what is non-monogamy? Because a yeah. lot of people are like, what is that? And I'm like, well, that's pretty much folk who are having a relationship where they can explore personal or sexual connections outside of their relationship in some form, right? And the way to do that, the, the non-monogamy part, the way to do that is to... Um, have all parties discuss and agree upon what they're doing, right? It's not going behind somebody's back and without their knowledge and having experiences, that's known as infidelity. So non-monogamy can look like lots of different things. It's not done one way, right? You can pretty much design your relationship these days. So that's the beauty of it. Yeah, I love that. I'm all about designer relationships and not trying to force people into boxes. So you could do something like have a hall pass or a sexual sanity clause. So a hall pass is where um, people can play in certain situations or a sexual sanity clause is something like oh you know what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas so that so people sort of know that every now and then their partner might go and have an adventure but yeah we don't talk about that yeah um or, or sort of don't ask don't tell but it's agreed or you could have swingers couples who play together with other couples and, uh, or sometimes unicorns that's the term for a single female who's invited to play with couples um, some people do this casualty. Some people do what's called living the lifestyle, which is hanging out with other swingers and going to social events and all that sort of thing. So there's varying degrees of involvement in that. People can go to sex parties. You can attend sort of like swingers parties or sex clubs. You can go to girls' nights, boys' nights, kink or BDSM play, even workshops where you can do hands-on things. Um, I've done some very interesting workshops in my time in learning stuff. To no, that get sounds my a lot crits. of fun. Yeah. Um, Dan Savage, popular the term monogamish, you know, where occasionally you invite a guest star into the bedroom. <laughs> yeah, I kind of like that. That's a bit cute. Yeah, no, that is yeah. a cute term. Yeah, and then there's, like, on the more, more intuit side, open, like, so each partner is able to seek out sexual explorations without their partner, um, and that's negotiated to the comfort level of everybody involved, right? So it could be having a regular lover. It could be, oh, you know, when I go away for business, it's known that I might you know, get a bit lucky if I can, that sort of thing. Uh, it usually doesn't involve concurrent relationships or serious relationships. That's more in the polyamory basket. Right. And okay. that is multiple relationships running concurrently. Yeah. So there's so much diversity actually yes. in non-monogamy. So no wonder there's like a little bit of confusion with the with the way in which it's spoken about or agreed upon. But I guess that's why communication is so important when establishing the base of, of any non-monogamous relationship, whether it's serious or becomes non-serious or vice versa. But yeah. there's actually, I feel like there's a bit of tension with using the term ethical nowadays, especially in the context of like ethical non-monogamy. Could yeah. you shed some light on that? I can, I can. I, I think, you know, because 
ethical and consensual are used interchangeably, but I think, um, you know, and, and that's a lot to do with the non-monogamous dynamic. But I think when we look at ethical, the term ethical sort of, it, it implies that we're doing it the right way, right? And yeah. what is the right way and whose ethics are we actually thinking about here? Um, so I'm thinking about you know, when when uh, some of my teachers, Janet uh, Hardy and Dossie Easton, wrote a book called The Ethical Slut that's commonly known as the Bible for people who are interested in polyamory. And they use that term because uh, the ethical part and the slut part were sort of subversive to the people saying that mon monogamous relationships are the standard of the day and people shouldn't be very sexual. They should be sexual inside a relationship, hopefully marriage, and be monogamous. Um, so they are sort of um, using those words to claim the word slut back to say it's actually okay and that you can actually be a slut and not be awful to people or upset people and take it that way. So it's, it's taking away the notion that there was only one moral way to have sex being in a committed monogamous relationship. Right, so I understand that, and so it, it claimed things back. But when we use the word ethical, we're also, who's ethics, right? And a lot of people have hidden behind that and used that to sort of bully people. 100%. Yeah, so I think using terms like the ethical slap, that's great. It's not somebody who wants, you know, it's somebody who doesn't want to impose their standards on someone. They want to make their sluttery morally neutral right through through using ethical standards but they're rejecting the notion that, that that's not what they're doing they're rejecting the notion that a slut is inherently immoral in the first place i think that it's so important yeah. to undo these taboos and like the way in which yeah ethics is used in this context is is such a like a liberating and like reclaiming yeah like act and yeah that's it so if we use the term ethical non-monogamy we're actually implying that um monogamy is the standard and that's what you should do and that there's yeah. something not ethical about non-monogamy or something that needs to be fixed or something yeah. like that which is a bit strange yeah it's like because perpetuating yeah people that. can choose the relationships they want it's no skin off anybody else's nose as long no. as they're doing things in a consensual way and we'll come a little bit more to that as we unpack this more so we yeah and, and also if we use the term ethical it disallows the 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 non-monogamous folks the right to be messy right Definitely. because all relationships are messy when you think about it I, I see people making very interesting um slip-ups mistakes doing things that are like whoa i wish i didn't do that in monogamous relationships and that happens in open relationships as well so we've got to allow the fact that people are going to try things out it's, it's it, relating is difficult i'm not gonna lie it's not easy and i think sometimes open relating I call it sort of, it's pretty advanced. You know, you want to be able to communicate. You've got to know yourself. And in that process, you're going to run into yourself. You're going to run into insecurities. You will experience jealousy. There will be a bit of heartbreak while people are trying to navigate things. But I think folks experience that in monogamous relationships too, don't you? A hundred percent. I think that often like the label or I guess the norm of monogamous relationships is definitely something that can fulfill a lot of people, but also it can restrain people in ways that they don't even realize when they're in the relationship yeah. and then they find themselves doing behaviors that, you know, maybe they would be happier in a non-monogamous relationship in the beginning so that both parties could be on the same page as opposed to like repressing desires or something like that. And like, yeah. And there's so many different ways that you can be non-monogamous. Yeah. You can have really, 
really, really deep platonic friendships that for folks who are deep into monogamy can find that threatening. Like, oh, I don't like that you spend so much time with your three best friends or I don't like that you call your... I call my close friends my beloveds and people always do a double take and I'm like, these are the people I love more than anything because they're my supports and my angels and the people who know my heart, yeah? I guess in some ways it is sort of like looking at love differently and how one like shares that with others, which is like a really important and beautiful thing. Absolutely, absolutely. So we don't want to sort of put standards in. I think, you know, people can, it's, it's interesting because when you put the word ethical non-monogamy, it implies that people are bad non-monogamists, but, you know, people can be bad monogamists as well. Yeah, there's bad so, people all around. <laughs> so you can actually, if people say, oh, are you an ethical non-monogamist? You can say, well, are you an ethical monogamist? It's Let's true. Flip it around and yeah. see what people say. And their answer is probably uncertain. <laughs> <laughs> I think they'll just be maybe doing a goldfish face going, what do you mean? Right? Yeah, because, yeah, thinking yeah. that it's just like by default. So today, yeah, we're focusing on slime, something slime slightly different consensual non-monogamy yeah it seems similar but what's actually the difference um i actually think that terms ethical non-monogamy and consensual non-monogamy are used interchangeably but consensual non-monogamy for me focuses on all parties consenting to what is going on right ethical is subjective whose ethics are we basing things on yours mine people who position themselves as experts in this field Mm -hmm. and we'll come to that in an interesting question later um but i think consent on the other hand it's understood it's not as well understood as i would like it to be um but consent for me when i'm teaching it, it it decides what will happen what won't happen and who is this for really really important things to remember when we're negotiating right um so i know some people do non-monogamy in ways that one partner can go out and play and the other partner doesn't want to but they're totally fine if their partner does and people think that's not ethical not fair not balanced not this not that but they don't understand the dynamics between the partnership and what's arranged what's agreed what's discussed Uh, And it works really well for folks when it's really well defined and discussed. So the consensual part is everyone is on board. So what's not ethical is sometimes people might have an open relationship themselves and then one partner goes out and plays with somebody else, but somebody else's partner doesn't know about it. Right, So that's yeah. where people can be like, oh, I feel like I can't tell other people what to do, but this is making me feel uncomfortable because um, my ethics are that everybody knows about this and, um, you know, I'm playing around with this person here and they're lovely, but I really don't like the idea that their partner might be very unhappy about this. Yeah, I think that's such a, an interesting and like vital perspective to introduce consent as the framework at which you like approach relationships or yeah. relationship types, because yeah. then you can ensure that everyone, you know, is being heard and it's not like assumed what people want or what they're comfortable with. Yeah, and there's, yeah, it takes away ownership, which I think, you know, I hear people all the time saying, oh, will you let me go for a beer after work on Friday? I'm like, Whoa. No, that's so controlling. Yeah, exactly. Or my man or my woman. And it's like, oh, yuck, yuck. Not this stuff. It's like my partner. And what I would hope is that when you're relating with people, that you're relating with someone who wants to show up for you. Like, I'm excited to see you. I want to be here. I'm not here because I feel obliged or I feel in any way coerced or because somebody said that this is what I have to do under their so-called ethics. So something that I was really interested to know was can non-monogamy be consensual but not ethical or vice versa, just in the context of like the difference between ethical versus consensual non-monogamy? Uh, yeah, I, I, it's that's such an interesting... Um, it's a, it's a big question and it's a tricky question. I think it can. I think you, you can uh, 
you can do things under the guise of your ethics but be non-consensual. For example, we've declared the relationship open but then we haven't declared things like, oh, please don't date my friends or my work colleagues or please don't have sex in my bed or, wow, we're open our relationship and you've gone on five different dates in one week and you've got no time for me, right? So that feels like non-consensual behaviour. But if you don't talk about things, how are you going to know if you step on some landmines? Right, so I think there's there's some very big things there, and I also think you know we've been talking about this use of the word ethical. Um, if you use the word ethical, it can often be used to mask some pretty unethical behaviour. And there's some very famous cases in the poly communities of people who've written about the, all the ways to do non-monogamy turning out themselves to be quite abusive and manipulative, and trying to hide that behaviour around the ethics that they've written about. Right, so it seems it can seem trivial, but, but names like Franklin Vaux, Jeremy Saunders, and Elliot Winter, they have done some terrible things. It's funny because I was chatting to you in the break, going, "Yeah, you know, I always read Franklin Vaux's work, and something about it made me feel uncomfortable, and yeah. I could never put my finger on it." Gut it, feeling. Yeah, and then it turns out that he was quite abusive to his partner Eve, oh. and it took her a long time to get heard and to have that covered. Uh, so uh, he was abusive. Oh, uh, so Jer- disappointing. Yeah, Jeremy Saunders groomed people and someone else, uh, Elliot Winter, was involved in human trafficking. Like it was dodgy as hell. So The most unethical yeah, that I can get. Yeah. And, and beware of the expert or people quoting experts at yeah. you. And I know I've been in situations where people have thrown phrases at books for me. I'm like, that's not what's at play here and that's not what's happening here. You need to be listening to me yeah. because I'm the person having a bit of distress or a disagreement listen to that and then the two of us can talk about this or three or four however many people there are yeah that's not how you recognize emotions you can't yes do not throw but it says in the book that this you 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 might be angry because you're trying to manipulate me it's like really okay that sort of thing not so great so i think consent is really the pivotal word and we talked about that who is it for what is going to happen what's not going to happen and sometimes you have to do this as you go along because sometimes you don't realize oof okay i didn't think that you were going to date my friends do I really have to spell it out do not date my friends okay that sort of stuff makes sense yeah so consent has to be like consistent and this regular discussion as opposed to something that can occur once and then you know yeah right? yeah um I, th- I think so and I think that I've got a quote here from Leanne Lau from polyphilia she says I show my ethics through my actions not by using labels right if my actions are ethical and consensual I don't need to justify them with a label yeah, uh, and it's that's actually really true because most people will be happily plodding along without having to rely on ethics or rules if things are going well. When things aren't going well, let's double back and check in. What doesn't feel right? What hasn't been agreed? Yeah, uh, and I also think we're living in such a big time of change. Uh, Jess Fern writes about this in the book Polysecure, which is an excellent book if you're thinking about non-monogamy. We're doing lots of change in race, class, gender, sexuality, but monogamy remains largely unquestioned right so it's still a difficult concept for people to get their heads around and to agree with and to embark upon so i think that sort of stuff talking 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 consent 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 so just in the context of uh like when it can go wrong like how prevalent is abuse in consensual non-monogamous relationships and do you think that the use of ethical to describe non-monogamous relationships can make it difficult to identify this manipulative behavior like what you were I think so Um, I don't know how prevalent abuse is but I think people can hide behind the term ethical right yeah so if they can um, 
It, yeah, if things don't, my my motto always if it, is it doesn't feel right, then it isn't right. So 100%. If, if you're relating with somebody, you're opening up, and you're like, oh, I thought this would feel a little differently, or I'm finding that I feel a bit weird about it. Talk about it. You know, sometimes things are uncomfortable. You can still be uncomfortable and do it. You know, we, we can often push through discomfort and go, gee, I'm glad I did that. You know, so it's it's taking time, but it's not having somebody quote rules and regulations at you and sort of shoehorn you into doing what they want. And I see a bit of that when people come and see me and it's like, ooh, okay, how are we going to make sure that everybody's happy here? And what happens if things feel a little different to what you thought? A hundred percent. I guess like there could be this like semblance or something of like a moral high horse if someone like identifies as like an ethical non-monogamist, whereas to me, like approaching it from a consensual perspective can ensure that like the forefront is communication as opposed to like these subjective principles that like you can't just enforce on others. And my, my mantra is always curiosity, kindness and generosity. And if you apply those, you, you actually will get consent. Mm. Right. So it's like, well, help me understand what would work for you or help me understand what's not going well rather than throwing someone a passage in a book or that's a, a, a web page that somebody's written it's like what's what's not going well for you here and how can we work as a team yeah to make sure that this is okay for everybody yeah I think listening is such an important Ugh. thing oh my gosh yeah <laughs> so how can you actually ensure that everyone you're in a non non-monogamous relationship with is consenting and what information should someone be giving to any new potential partners and existing partners to ensure that it is all consensual I love this question so much I mean I think as listeners will be aware when it it comes to me it's all about communication isn't it right I had a poly client once who said to me "Uh, Tanya you know if you if you want to be poly you need to like talking about relationships and I was like (laughs) oh heck that's really really true because you need to be quite good at it you also need to be good at scheduling right talking about relationships and scheduling if you want to go down the poly path but um, if you have a partner talk about what you're interested in why you want to do it how you see it's working and then listen to your partner's responses to that because often people are like oh I'm anxious I didn't know you wanted to do this what's wrong with me am I not enough so sitting with that and giving time and for people to explore that um, how do you plan to invest in your existing relationship or ships when there are exciting new things happening? Because that's a big thing. And then answer the what if questions. What if one of us changes our mind? What if one of us gets jealous? What if one of us doesn't like the other's lover? What if one of us doesn't get any dates? What if someone falls in love? Right? There's lots of questions and they're all the anxious questions. If we know the answer to these questions, it's a lot easier to go out there and do things. So talk about it and try and preempt it if you can. Right? And then two prospective partners, be open about being open, right? Don't get people involved in a relationship and then go, oh, by the way, I have a partner or I'm, mm-hmm. I'm solo poly. Explain how it works for you. If you're partnered and how that works, is it hierarchical? How much time do you have? How many partners do you have? How do you approach safer sex? If you're solo poly, how does that work for you? How do you approach multiple relationships or encounters? How do you do safer sex? And if you're practicing relationship anarchy, what is that and how does it work for you and how you interact with folks so that they get an idea? 
Let them ask questions. Don't get them involved and then spring a surprise on them because then people don't have the opportunity to consent if they're already in something. So always forward announce, don't back announce is my advice. I was just about to say that. I was going to say how um, compelling and necessary it is to forward announce and just how much I loved, like just even that phrase that I heard you mention before because I think, (laughs) yeah, I can't imagine a a situation where people can be practising non-monogamy without forward announcing consistently and like having to be comfortable with that because that's kind of like the forefront of it is ensuring that everyone's expectations are like on the same page or at least you know as much as they can be you would be so surprised how many people think it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission i feel like that's because it's like a really popular (laughs) cultural saying but no 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 in the context of like non-monogamy that is like the opposite i think also people are afraid that they're not going to get what they want yeah, so that's that's where mistakes happen. So if yeah. if, the, if you can have agreements with folks, like it's always okay to forward announce, but leave some time to sit with maybe an initial knee jerk or discomfort because often people come around when they've had time to think about it. But when you get a nasty surprise, people can stay angry for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not so great. So patience and forward announcing seem yes. to, yes. Um, yeah, important. kindness, generosity, curiosity, yes. what's happening here. Yeah. Stay curious. It's so <laughs> Indeed. Oh, thank you so much for coming on. I, I just thought that, yeah, it's such a, an important topic for everyone to get a little bit more clarity about or a lot more clarity, actually. Um, yeah. And if we can start using the term consensual non-monogamy, CNM, rather than ENM, I think we're going to start to push more about how important consent is and not hide behind ethics and not use that as a bullying stance.